Thursday was the first true day of workouts for pitchers and catchers at Orioles spring training, but it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. We found out about multiple injuries to some key pitchers that could push back their timelines and change the Orioles opening day rosters. So we'll talk about those injuries to D.L. Hall, Dylan Tate, and others coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, February 17th, 2023. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, little Orioles injury news pod, because for the first time at spring training, as pitchers and catchers reporting, the O's worked out on Thursday, and with that, they opened up things to the media for the first time. And we learned about some injuries that hit the Orioles, especially their pitchers, over the offseason. D.L. Hall, Nick Vespi, Felix Bautista, Dylan Tate, all dealing with something that could keep them out past opening day. So we're going to break down all those injuries, what it means for the team, who could slip in to some spots on the opening day roster, and then a couple other news and notes from the week for the Orioles involving Tyler Wells, Ramona Rios, the massive broadcast schedule, a minor league signing, and more. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So we jump in here to an Orioles injury news episode here on a Friday. Of course, if you're watching here on YouTube, repping the Terps gear, huge win for the Terrapins over Purdue on Thursday night. But that was kind of the sports highlight of my Thursday. The low light was kind of the first quotes we heard from the Orioles when they opened up their workouts to the media on Thursday afternoon. Because as soon as kind of the talking started, it was pretty much all negative, and that is where we start. All the pitching injuries that we just kind of found out about on Thursday afternoon in Sarasota. Let's start with Dylan Tate, because that was the biggest injury that we heard about on Thursday. Dylan Tate apparently suffered a forearm strain back in November, so you would think it was either a non-baseball injury or at his throwing program at driveline in the offseason he suffered an injury. It's going to keep him out for a while. It was apparently a more significant injury than maybe the O's thought and maybe you would have hoped. But because of that forearm injury, the Orioles have already said Tate is most likely going to miss all of April. So he's going to be out at least a month to start the season. Now, is Dylan Tate the number one most important player to the 2023 Orioles? No, but he's one of their most important relievers and he's honestly their most trustworthy reliever in the bullpen right now. He's not their best reliever, but he's the most trustworthy one. That is going to hurt not having Dylan Tate for a month. Now, we hope that, you know, March, or I should say May 1st, he's right back in the Oriole bullpen, but it could be longer than that, especially with the Orioles here in mid-February saying it's going to be at least all of April. That injury could leak into mid-May as well, and so that's why you have depth. That is why you have depth. The next injury, in terms of best pitchers in the bullpen, it could be Felix Bautista. His opening day is potentially in question as well. He's been on a rehab program for a shoulder and knee injury throughout this offseason. If you remember, at the end of last year, he went on the injured list uh, with five games remaining in the season with a knee injury that, of course, took him out for the rest of the year. Kind of sustained it 
a couple days before. Then remember he tried to pitch on it in that game at Yankee Stadium, had to come out of the game in the eighth inning because of it. That's why D.L. Hall got that save in that Friday night game at Yankee Stadium. So apparently it's still bothering him. Now, it's not going to be some huge ordeal. He's ready to throw. He's going to pitch in spring training at some point. But what the Orioles did say is because those injury rehabs, he's going to be kind of behind the other pitchers. He won't pitch in spring training games as early as the other guys will. So they said basically he's a maybe for opening day at this point. And another guy who's a maybe for opening day now is D.L. Hall. Turns out he has some right lower lumbar discomfort. That's basically some back discomfort that he got about three weeks ago that he has been dealing with. And just like Bautista, you know, it's not some crazy big injury, but he's going to get a late start. He will pitch in spring training games. He's just going to get a late start to throwing in games as they build him back up and keep an eye on that injury. And the same thing they said about Bautista, they said about Hall. Essentially, it looks like he's now a maybe for opening day. And the one last guy they talked about is Nick Vespi. Of course, we already knew he had hernia surgery this offseason that kept him out of the World Baseball Classic. They said he, quote, remains a possibility for opening day. So basically put him in the category of a maybe for opening day as well. Now, Vespi was on the roster bubble. He was not a lock for the opening day roster. Bautista and Tate were locks. And if you're keeping the best 13 pitchers, Hall, as I talked about on Wednesday's opening day roster prediction 2.0 episode, should have been on there as well. So three of your top 13 pitchers, three of the guys you should have on your opening day pitching staff, are in danger of missing opening day. One in Tate you know is going to miss opening day. And the other two are certainly in danger. And then you're looking at those injuries. You're saying, all right, let's go to our depth. Well, one of those key depth guys you would have gone to immediately is Nick Vespi, and his opening day is in question as well. So wasn't a great first day of the media being in Sarasota on Thursday, especially for the Orioles' bullpen. But if there is a silver lining, it's that A, the Orioles' bullpen was the strength of the team last year. And B, because of that, and they basically kept everybody around and added more pieces, they have a lot of bullpen depth as they head into spring training. They are kind of built to sustain some early injuries like this to their relievers. So coming up next, we'll take a look at that depth specifically. And who could benefit? Who has a chance to maybe step in and win a role? Now that some spots could be open on the open day roster after these injuries. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, you know Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's a delicious treat, but doesn't have all the fat and calories. Kind of perfect for those New Year's resolutions. Now you think, what makes Built Bar so good? If you're someone who's tried protein bars before, you may think there's no way that a Built Bar can be good. All these ones I've tried before just have not been good. Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Then you add in, they have flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond, and more. They literally taste like a candy bar, but it's good for you. Only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in every Built Bar. And now here's the best part. While in the past, you had to order online at Built.com, wait for your Built Bars to come to your door, you can still do that, but now you can walk into a store whenever you'd like and get some Built Bars. They've got them at Walmart, and they've got them at Sam's Club. You walk in, get a four-bar box, get a 13-bar box, those delicious flavors of Built Bars, and walk out. It's, it's that simple now to get your hands on some delicious and nutritious Built Bars. 
So it wasn't a great day of Orioles news on Thursday. We learned about three pitcher injuries, Dylan Tate going to miss a month, and Felix Bautista and D.L. Hall, both of their opening days are in question. That already goes along with Nick Vespi, who we already knew and was reiterated that his opening day is in question as well. So it takes us to the next question, which is, what's the impact going to be? Because you know you have to fill one opening day bullpen spot because... Again, Dylan Tate will miss all of April with his forearm injury, so you got to replace him. I mean, he was a stone-cold lock to be on the opening day roster and be one of your most important kind of, you know, setup man, high-leverage guys out of the bullpen. I mean, I really do think Dylan Tate right now, and has been the entire time Brandon Hyde has been here, Dylan Tate has been Brandon Hyde's most trusted reliever. And to not have him for a month or potentially more to start this season is a big blow to the Orioles' bullpen. But as I mentioned before the break, having this depth is huge. So the question is, who could step up? What could this roster look like? So let's start with if just Dylan Tate. Let's start with best case scenario. Bautista ramps up in time. He makes the roster. And D.L. Hall ramps up in time. And also the O's put him in the bullpen on the roster. If it's just Dylan Tate who's missing, and we don't see any other injuries among the pitchers, I think the guy who could benefit here, depending on how he pitches in spring training, is Andrew Politti, the right-hander who the Orioles drafted in the Rule 5 draft from the Red Sox system. Now, of course, how the Rule 5 draft works, you take a player from another team system who was not protected on their 40-man roster, and you get to have him on your 40-man, but that player has to stay either on the active MLB roster or on the injured list for the entirety of the season for you to keep him in your organization. So if the O's really like Politti, and I think they do, he had some good stuff, had some really good numbers in the minors with Boston last season, they're going to want to keep him around. But with such a stacked bullpen, it was going to be tough to keep him. But if you open up a spot now, the reason I think it would go to Politti is because a couple of the other guys we'll talk about, like you know, Mike Bauman, Joey Crable, Logan Gillespie, those guys have minor league options, so can still be sent to AAA. Whereas Politti can't go to AAA. He either makes the roster or you have to send him back to literally a division rival in the Red Sox. So... If you like a Rule 5 guy, it's always good to take him over kind of another fringe roster guy who's already in your organization. So I think if it's just Dylan Tate, who is not on the opening day roster, I think Andrew Politti is the guy who makes the roster. I think the O's, as long as he pitches okay, or even well in spring training, I think the O's will say, you know what, we like his stuff. Let's put him on the roster. Let's give him another month of big league time while Tate is out to work. And then when, you know, Dylan Tate hopefully comes back in early May, the O's can then make the decision. Either can we keep Politti on the roster all year or do we have to return him to Boston? Or there could be something else that happens where another injury happens. And when Tate comes back, he replaces that guy. Or someone's really struggling and Politti's doing okay and Tate replaces whoever's struggling in the bullpen. If you give Politti that chance to kind of work through some early struggles, it could work out. Now, if Politi is just a disaster in spring training, there is a chance the O's would just send him back to Boston. But if he shows even signs of flashes, I think he'll be the guy. Now, it's a little bit of a different spot here for the O's than it has been the last couple of years with their Rule 5 picks. Like, you know, a couple of years ago when they took Tyler Wells and Max Soroller in the Rule 5 draft, they put them both on the opening day roster because, frankly, the pitching staff was terrible and why not keep the two guys and see how they did? Well, Soroller and Wells were both really bad early. They ended up returning Soroller to the Reds, but they held on to Wells because they saw something there. And by the midpoint of the season, 
He had moved into a one-inning bullpen role and was great and was the Orioles' closer by the end of the year and then was one of their best starters in 2022 and looks like a lock for the roster in 2023. But if you remember early in 2021, Tyler Wells, his first season with the O's, he was bad. Like, he was getting hit around. He had a high ERA early in that season, and the O's stuck with him. It takes some time for a guy, especially like Wells, who hadn't even pitched in double-A. At least Politi has a good amount of, of experience in double-A and triple-A in the high minors in Boston. But you want to give a guy a little bit of time to adjust to the big leagues, and that's just what Wells needed. So maybe if you give Politi that month with Tate out and let him adjust and you like the stuff, maybe you see enough for when Tate comes back, someone else goes off the roster, and Politi kind of fills in in one of those bullpen spots. It could happen. And again, he could be a mess and they could just ship him back to Boston. But it's something to think about. Now, if Politi is a mess and he's not the guy, I would say your next choice would probably be Mike Bauman. You know, to replace Dylan Tate, you get another righty in the pen in Bauman who has had some good big league experience. He can pitch in a one-inning role. He can pitch in a multi-inning role. Heck, he can even start if you still need him to. He's still been built up as a starter the last couple of years since he got healthy again. And he showed some really good flashes with the Orioles last season. And I think Bauman, honestly, is one of the top two like fringe roster guys if everyone's healthy. So with these injuries, I think Bauman has a huge chance to step up. And that kind of takes you to the worst-case scenario where all three of these guys miss opening day. And, and honestly, all four of them miss opening day, including Vespi. Tate, Hall, Bautista, and Vespi are all not ready on opening day. And I really do think with the language the Orioles are using, like, you know, might be ready for opening day, has a chance to be ready. They're telling you about the injury early. If you kind of read the tea leaves, it kind of feels like to me that maybe Bautista and Hall will maybe spend the first two weeks of the year on the injured list before coming back. So that'll open up some spots. And I think if all three are out, I think it would be Andrew Politi, Mike Bauman, and Keegan Aiken, I think are the guys who would take those spots. You know, if you go back to, again, my opening day roster prediction on Wednesday's episode, those are the three guys I think would replace those guys. Now, if you go a little bit further down the list and you say, okay, Politi just wasn't cutting it or there's another injury, I think Joey Crable would probably be the next guy. I mean, he pitched well enough for him at times last year. And then you you look at the guys like Logan Gillespie, Yenier Cano, Spencer Watkins, and Bruce Zimmerman always, you know, would kind, of, would kind of be up next to fill that role. I think if D.L. Hall's not ready, I think Keegan Aiken is probably the easiest choice um, just to get a – he's also a lefty who can also give you length but can throw out of the bullpen. That's, that's probably a pretty easy choice if Hall's not ready. But the other thing is, you know, Hall could be – maybe ready to be a reliever. But the O's did mention Thursday about, you know, building him up to be a starter in spring training. And if he's going to be delayed pitching in games and they are trying to build him up as a starter, that's even less of a chance he's going to be ready for opening day. And even if he doesn't start the season on the injured list, this seems like an even higher chance that Hall would start the year in the AAA Norfolk rotation instead of starting the year in Baltimore, potentially in the bullpen. So even if he's healthy, because he's delayed a little bit, he could start in Norfolk, which would still open up that spot for a guy like Keegan Aiken. I feel like Keegan Aiken is almost now a lock to make the opening day roster as long as he stays healthy at this point. So I'd say Bauman, Politi, and Aiken are the guys if all three can't go with, with Joey Crable kind of knocking on that door. But again, as I said, it helps to have this bullpen depth. You know, the Orioles have guys in Crable, Gillespie, Cano, Watkins, and Zimmerman 
who all still I don't think would make this roster, even if all three of these guys miss opening day. And all five of those names pitched for the Orioles last year in the big leagues for a team that won 83 games and came close to the playoffs. And guys like Crable and Watkins pitched a lot of innings for a good Orioles team last year. So it's good to have this, this much depth. It's something the O's haven't had in years on the pitching side. And it's really, really going to help them moving forward. And, and truly, it's going to help them right now if these injuries persist in the Orioles' bullpen. But of course, it wasn't just all bad injury news that we got from the first workout on Thursday. There was some more negative news that we'll get to, but also some positive things as the O's came to spring training in Sarasota. And we'll talk about them coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, we're at the midway point of the NBA season, and although football season is over, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drain. Now, yesterday on the episode, I talked about, you know, maybe taking the Nuggets because everyone's looking at the Suns coming out of the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, maybe, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo leaves the game Thursday night with an injury. Obviously, the Bucks, one of the favorites. The Celtics have been so good. So, Maybe with the Giannis injury, you know, you get on Boston to potentially come out of the East in terms of the future to win the Eastern Conference. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner, of the NBA. So it wasn't all bad news from the first day of of workouts and the first day the media was there in Sarasota as pitchers and catchers reported on Wednesday and then we get the first full squad work, workout coming up next Tuesday for the Orioles at spring training but let's start with kind of the one other piece of bad news and that was we got the spring training broadcast schedule from the Orioles and Masson, and unsurprisingly, they're basically broadcasting nothing. Masson broadcasted three spring training games last year on TV. They've upped it to four this year. Congratulations, John Angelos. You, a man of the people, taking it from three to four spring training games. If you look at other American League teams, the next lowest number of spring training games being broadcast is done by the Tampa Bay Rays, the cheapest team in baseball. And they are still broadcasting nine spring training games. More than double what the Orioles are. And that is the second lowest number in the American League. That's how much of an issue this is. And I get it. It's just spring training games. It's really more about being there than watching them on TV. The games don't count, whatever. But it's a great way for fans to get invested early in the year, to see... You know, not just the Orioles regulars, you know, play before the regular season starts to get excited, but also to see the young guys. You got a lot of top prospects that are in big league camp that are going to be playing in these games. You get a chance to see Jackson Holiday and Colton Kowser and 
Jordan Westberg and, and, and Joey Ortiz and Heston Kerstad face big league pitching in these games, and you're going to broadcast four of them. I mean, why not capitalize on how much positive energy there is from the fan base around the Orioles right now with this young team having an amazing year and, and looking to potentially get in the playoffs this season? But no, you're going to go from three to four games because John Angelos might be the biggest loser in the entire world. Now, if you have MLB TV or if you have, we'll say, other means, there are 12 total Orioles spring training games being broadcast by one team or another. Four by the Orioles, eight of them are being broadcast on TV by a few of the other teams they're playing. I believe the Pirates are, are doing like five of them or six of them against the Orioles. Shout out to the Pirates. They're, they're really good at broadcasting spring training every single year. I believe there's some, some Red Sox games in there. The Twins might be in there uh, as well. The Blue Jays maybe once or twice. But yeah, shout out to the Pirates for... But literally, the Pittsburgh Pirates are broadcasting more Orioles spring training games on TV than the Orioles are. <sighs> anyway, Ramona Rios, little news on Thursday as well. Uh, we were a little confused earlier in the week, or I guess last week, when the World Baseball Classic rosters were announced. And if you remember, you know, over the last couple of months, you know, we knew that Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander and Dean Kramer were going to compete in the event. And we had heard that Dylan Tate was going to pitch for Team USA and that Ramona Rios was going to play for Team Mexico alongside his brother Luis Arias. And then the rosters come out and, and Tate and Arias aren't on them. Well, Thursday we found out why Tate wasn't on it, of course, with the forearm strain that's going to keep him out until May. But we also have finally figured out why Arias wasn't on the list. And the thought was it was the injury. Because remember, he had that knee injury in September last year that kept him out for the remainder of the season. He thought maybe that's, you know, nagging him a little bit. Him and the Orioles kind of came together and said, let's just not do the WBC just to be safe. But apparently Ramon was prepared to play in the event. He said he's healthy, but he was still just a little concerned about the injury because it was at the end of the year last year. But apparently Team Mexico would not provide medical insurance to Arias, you know, if something did happen and he re-aggravated the knee while playing in the WBC. And because they wouldn't offer that, he did not want to take the chance to play in the event because he was still worried maybe the knee isn't exactly 100% or something could happen to it. So all accounts, he's 100% healthy and is perfectly going to be ready to go for the Orioles on opening day. But just a weird situation to not get a guy who, I mean, probably would have been in the starting lineup for Team Mexico. And He's just not going to play in the event. It stinks for him. I mean, you're not going to get to play with his brother. It's tough. Also had some Tyler Wells news come across. Uh, lost 20 pounds in the offseason. Did some big-time conditioning. Apparently, that was his big focus this offseason. Wanted to, you know, get in better shape, stay healthy. Obviously, he had a, a couple of injuries that kept him out for a good chunk of the second half last year after he was so good after moving into the O's starting rotation in the first half of 2022. So, I mean, he's a big guy, you know, six foot seven, a big dude, and, and maybe slimming down a little bit will help him be, you know, a, a little bit quicker on his feet and uh, avoid some injury as well. We will see. And then the final piece of news from the Orioles on Thursday, they made another minor league signing, 25-year-old infielder Gilbert Lara. They signed to a minor league deal. Now, Lara does not have an invite to big league spring training at this point, so he will be in minor league camp. Uh, Lara has spent the last four seasons with the Washington Nationals in their system. He originally signed with the Brewers out of the Dominican Republic, started his pro career in 2015, then was traded to the Nationals in the Gio Gonzalez trade in 2018. 
And he did get to double A for the first time with the Nats last year. Just over 300 plate appearances, hit just 217 with a 272 on base and a 321 slugging with seven home runs. Not amazing offensive numbers, but he's more organizational filler probably for the O's. They thought they, they might need a, a third baseman somewhere in the lower minor league. So picking up Gilbert Lara, maybe they see something, you know, in the swing data or the exit velocity data that they can improve on. But the one thing I do have to add on. Gilbert Lara is that I have broadcasted his baseball games before when I was the broadcasting assistant in the summer of 2019 with the Hagerstown Suns, then the low A affiliate of the Washington Nationals. Now, of course, no longer in minor league baseball. Uh, Gilbert Lara got called up to Hagerstown for the last about 80 games of that season. And I broadcasted his games. I will say thinking back, not one of the players who really stood out on that Hagerstown Suns team, but he was a guy who had his moments and uh, he is now in the O's system. But that'll do it. All the news and notes we got out of the first day of workouts at uh, Sarasota for spring training with the Orioles on Thursday. And I'm sure as the weekend commences, plenty of other news and notes will come out. And we will get to them again on Monday's episode when we return here on the podcast. Again, we are back to five days a week, episodes Monday through Friday. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to the audio version as well. Apologize for the video version not being the same for Thursday's mailbag episode. Kind of lost the video feed there, but hope you still enjoyed it on YouTube. But we will be back on Monday with all the updates from spring training. Again, first full squad workout is Tuesday, and next Saturday is the first spring training game for the O's. It is coming up quick here in February. But again, I'll be back on Monday. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.